Welcome back to another episode of the Ask Investor Podcast. In each episode, we host a Q&A with another fascinating investor here on QuidRoom, the social network where private investors collaborate with one another and with global investment experts through closed-door virtual community rooms. Each episode is recorded live in a room full of investors, and the conversation continues after the recording. So if your interest is peaked after today's episode, you're never too late to join the community at quidroom.com to get your questions in. Now kick back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome to another Ask an Investor session. I'm Pravin, the founder of QuidRoom, a social platform built for investment experts to efficiently manage their global community of professional investors. So before we kickstart, just as a quick disclaimer, the content shared here is for information purposes only and should not be construed as legal, investment, tax, financial, or other advice. Now, for all investors who are listening into the session and the podcast, if any of your questions are unanswered or to get regular insights on to interact directly with investment experts in the payment tech industry, you can join more than 340 professional investors in the Paytech Investor Club in Quidroom. The invitation link to the club is posted in here and is open to professional investors. So today we have Winston Ma, a published author, a VC, ex-divisional CEO of China Investment Corporation, a professor. I'm not sure what more I can say, but of course you're one of the leading I'm investment not a experts. Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you are definitely one of the leading investment experts in blockchain and Web3, and that is pretty interesting for me because um, because look, I'm very excited for the launch of your new book on blockchain and Web3 that is coming up, especially because I want to understand your views on how sovereign governments and CBDC is going to shape the conversations around Web3 in the future. But before we get into understanding a little more about about what your book is going to uncover, let's take a step back. I'm very curious to know, you come from a very strong institutional background. Yes. So what was that pivotal moment when you decided that you want to get more involved in blockchain and Web3 space? Thank you, Paramin. You know, when you say you come from a very strong institutional background, you almost are saying that you come from a very centralized uh, background, right? Uh, so so you know, I think it's, it's interesting. It's, uh, um, I got into the blockchain and blockchain and uh, crypto assets space uh, because of uh, several se- several reasons. Uh, and, and most of them actually have a very strong China element to it. Uh, for first was, the, the first time I started touching the t- topic was back in 2016, when I published my book, China's Mobile Economy, you know, was covering China's mobile internet revolution, right? Everyone gets smartphone, gets cash, cashless pay, uh, mobile payment, et cetera. So, the, the, so the editor said, hey, you know, you should, maybe you should cover blockchain and crypto with this book. And of course, the editor had no clue that, you know, the blockchain and crypto topics are completely different from the mobile internet topic, right? Until today, actually, we can talk la- a bit later. Until today, you know, the, the, the blockchain crypto community still struggle to connect with a much larger mobile internet community for business expansion, right? So that's one. And uh, secondly... Secondly, you know, uh, was because of the China market, you know, like, uh, until last year, right? When China started the serious crackdown 
on crypto assets and uh, crypto transactions, crypto mining. China used to be the world's largest crypto mining space, the largest crypto mining equipment manufacturer, and, and the, the biggest uh, crypto trading place. Right? And, and also you, you have the, probably the, the largest user base for crypto transactions. So China used to be like the number one crypto space uh, in the world. And, and I, yeah. I learned a lot you know, from my contacts uh, in that space. And uh, thirdly, you know, the, I look at uh, blockchain and crypto technologies uh, as a new frontier of the US-China uh, tech competition. In my last year's book, right before this year, you know, this new book, uh, Blockchain Web3, you know, my last year book was the, the Digital War, How China's Tech Power Shapes the Future of AI, Blockchain, and the Cyberspace. Yeah? Uh, and for, for China and the US uh, who are competing in various tech verticals, blockchain and crypto technologies are the latest frontier of their competition. The most obvious one is relating to the digital currency, right? China is by far the, the, the leading country that have tested crypto, crypto technology, blockchain technology-based CBDC, you know, sovereign digital currency at a mass scale, right? At the same time, US dollar is a, is a global reserve currency right now. And today, you know, you probably saw Wall Street Journal News, right, that you have a bipartisan uh, senator group that is promoting a, a new law to accelerate the development of digital dollar by the U.S. Federal Reserve. So, so I follow these uh, topics very closely, you know, uh, for, for various uh, China-U.S. background uh, reasons. Uh, but I would say the, obviously the most important one is that I'm a tech investor, right? I'm, I'm now a VC investor after my time at the CIC. Uh, so uh, the, to me, you know, this Web3 metaverse, uh, decentralized technologies, right, are, are the new frontier of VC investments. And I'm spending a lot of time uh, for this topic. <laughs> See, uh, it, it's um, interesting that you brought up about CBTC because today in the morning, uh, today as well, I was just speaking to one of my friends who is uh, who's, uh, his CEO is working right now with the Australian government to for the release right. of a digital currency there, and they're trying to do a, a beta release, I would say, this, uh, sure. this year. So it seems like a lot of governments are taking this up seriously, which brings me to to understand the future, right? So are we are we likely to see more or less involvement of intermediaries in payment transactions? I.e., is it possible? to see a world in few years where blockchain handles all transactions independently or via central bank digital coin networks? Oh, it's, it's a great question. You know, it's, it's almost yeah. like the early years of internet, right? People would, would worry that if different countries adopt different technologies, then you do not have global internet connectivity. And the same is true about smartphone smartphone uh, uh, technologies, right? You know, if you don't have a global standard, then, uh, then, then I have to change, change my uh, uh, Apple phone uh, into a Huawei phone, you know, when I fly from New York where I live, you know, back to China, right? But so far, you know, guys have figured out 
a global standard. So, so we, I do not have to change phones when I travel, right? Um, but uh, at the same time, you know, like uh, we, CBDC, uh, sovereign digital currency is a new, is, is a new technology and, and the different countries are uh, developing their CBDC in, in, uh, from a different star, right? Some, some come from more centralized technology platform, right? Some may test, you know, decentralized technology-based CBDC. Uh, so, so we'll see various different uh, currencies and they come from uh, various different supporting platforms, right? And right now we, we are seeing various countries go into this digital currency race. You know, obviously China has its e-renminbi, right? Had a mass testing uh, last couple of years, including the, the first cross-border testing with Winter Olympics athletes from 100 countries earlier this year. Right? Uh, you also see uh, countries like uh, uh, India started to develop digital rupee. Uh, and, and then UK start, starting to develop Britcoin. Recently, Russia is talking about, to, talking about uh, developing digital robo, you know, so on and so forth. So a lot of countries, so I'm not surprised by your mentioning of Australia, you know, potential testing its own digital currency, et cetera, right? So lots of countries are developing this, but the key question is, can these currencies be used uh, globally in, in cross-border context smoothly, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, that, that, so that's why uh, SWIFT is now testing cross-border payments uh, across different CBDCs from different countries. Uh, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm on the advisor board uh, for Capgemini, and Capgemini has, um, has teamed up with SWIFT to, to work on such testing of cross-border uh, payments between different CBDCs. Uh, you know, it, the announcement was made back in May, uh, so we, we should keep eye on that uh, development uh, because this testing, right, uh, involves two very important aspects. One is uh, can SWIFT, right, which used to support the traditional currencies, can in the future support cross-border payments amongst different uh, CBDCs from, of different countries, right? And secondly, you know, it's also about testing of digital currencies interoperability, right? Can you exchange, making exchanges between different CBDCs of different countries? Um, so so this, this will be a very big testing, you know, for, for us to see whether we can have a new payment system going forward uh, based on different CBDCs. No, absolutely. And, and it does seem like there is a lot of challenges, but there is a, there seems to be a lot more opportunity as well coming in. And, uh, there seems to be that there is going to be an impact on the traditional pair, players in the banking payment system, right? So the traditional banks, neo banks, super app banks. So what's your opinion? Will one of these likely succeed over the others or will something else entirely new happen in the coming years? Well, the payment space is much bigger than the sovereign currencies, right? Uh, because of the emergence of the Web3 uh, discussion. Yeah. So essentially, we will see a competition among three forces. You know, one, as we covered, right, it, it is about the sovereign digital currencies, the CBDCs from the central banks of different countries. And then this, the second part uh, is about 
the crypto currencies, right? Starting from Bitcoin to various different tokens today. Uh, many, uh, not, not only new tokens, but also new chains, right? And the, all, all these uh, crypto currencies development creates the potential to become global currencies. Uh, as we know, right, several countries like El Salvador, yeah. etc., right, have adopted Bitcoin as legal tender in their countries. At this moment, only a few countries are testing that, but but you know that's another direction, right? And thirdly, you know, we should not forget about the big tech companies, right? You know, they they do not want to leave, they they don't want to be left out of this, right? Uh, if, if anything, the the super apps want to be even more super, bigger, uh, covering everything, right? Uh, yeah. So in the case of uh, Meta, you know, used to be called Facebook, right? They, they have tested their own digital currency. Uh, if you recall, you know, Facebook tested a Libra currency for the Facebook ecosystem for a few years and until recently, you know, they put that project to stop, you know, because of uh, regulatory pressure. Yeah. But for big techs, the, those super internet platforms, right? The big tech companies, um, they, they have billions of users. So to them, it is only nat nat nature to think, think about some platform native tokens, uh, uh, some platform uh, uh, native called payment solutions among their billions of users. Uh, for, for example, for Facebook, right? If you already have a social network connecting billions of people across different continents, why, why don't you create your own currency and your own wallet uh, to handle all the all, all the transcontinental financing needs among the billions of people, right? Uh, so going forward, we will see this three-way competition for for the future of payment. You know, the the sovereign currencies of the countries, uh, the tokens of the crypto communities, and the uh, payment solutions provided by the big tech platforms. You know, the, I covered this three-way war, you know, in, in my uh, upcoming new book, right? At this moment, we still don't know who will be the final winner. So, so you have covered quite a bit of this also in your book. That is going to be interesting for me to read. <laughs> uh, but by the way, it's, it's great that you actually brought up uh, Facebook and uh, because you're building Meta. Now, because we're going to be talking about Meta, so. I regularly hear the terms metaverse and Web3, you know, they, they are interchangeably used and, and a lot of investors also regard them the same, but I'm sure that is not right. Uh, <laughs> so, so is there a difference that investors should keep in mind when they are looking into investment opportunities in metaverse and Web3? Are they missing out on something? Right, right. Yeah, no, I, I, I think both terms are related to the future of the internet, right? So, so that's why in many places people use these terms interchangeably, uh, but but they have different different focuses. You know, the two concepts represent different characteristics of, of the future of the internet. Uh, for for the term of metaverse is more relevant to user experience. It is mostly related to users moving into a three D interactive immersive internet experiences as compared to today, you know, you have a 2D, right? Two-dimensional, less interactive experience with the current internet, right? 
So for that, you can you can think of companies like uh, Meta, right? Uh, Facebook, which has which, which acquired Oculus a few years ago and has a very big AR VR unit, right? Or or Unity, you know, the gaming engine company that that provides a 3D engine, you know, that can be used by gaming as well as by construction, real estate, healthcare industries, right? But for you know, for the the term Web3, you know, the focus is more on the ownership and the economic interests of the internet, uh, which is expected to be more decentralized, right? So the, so the, so, so the Web3 concept comes from Web1 and Web2 in the past three decades, right? Web1 is just internet at its PC age, right? You know, you, you watch, you, you can read it. As an average person, you, can do any, you cannot do anything uh, with, the, with the internet. Right. But for Web2, you know, you, you have the mobile Internet, you have the social network, Facebook, Twitter, etc. So average person uh, like you and me can become an Internet celebrities for 15 seconds. Right. But, but the difference is, right, you know, for, for our 15 seconds fame on Twitter, we don't get any payment benefit out of it. Right. You know, you know maybe we feel satisfied, but we don't get a, a payment. We don't, we don't get a share of the profit. You know, if, if our participation in, in Twitter would, would, would lead to a user traffic and a cash flow for Twitter, right? So that's why you have the Web3 concept, which is to say that uh, going forward, the users, right, the creative contents, right, will own a piece of the internet, right? So, yeah. Such that the, the participants can take ownership of the internet and more importantly, can benefit uh, from such ownership through monetary gains. Uh, so, so the Web3 thing has a lot to do with decentralized ownership and economic participation uh, in the future internet. Uh, so for that, right, blockchain becomes very important because it, it is a decentralized technology. Um, mm-hmm. and, and based on uh, blockchain platforms, you can develop uh, crypto tokens to govern uh, and, and manage economic interests of the participants. See, um, so we are we are talking about uh, about Web three. So this also brings me to the current status uh, the status quo. So of course, uh, the usual topics of crypto winter are are always talked about. So let's just keep that aside and let's just focus on one aspect which is highly important for the success of Web three in the future. So Electric recently released a report, and according to them, in twenty twenty two alone, hackers have stolen crypto worth of 1.2 billion dollars of investment money right and that yes. is from the blockchain blockchain bridges and blockchain bridges are essential for exactly. for web3 they are essential for decentralized finance applications uh, to be successful uh, i mean nomad nomad alone uh, in last week what they lost 200 million dollars uh, they were stolen off 200 million dollars so what's your opinion on how the industry will be able to deal with this risk before it starts affecting investor sentiment and trust? Totally, totally. You know, essentially what you're saying is that for Web3, there's a, 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 a huge need for new Web3 infrastructures. Um, you, you need a lot of new setup in order for Web3 to work out, right? Uh, you, you, what you just touched on uh, is, is about uh, crypto security, 
or, or broadly, we can call it cybersecurity. Now, in the context of Web3, you essentially have all the old issues of Web2, uh, Web2 cybersecurity challenges and plus new issues coming out of, coming out of the Web3 connectivities, right? Um, so, so number one, you need to develop lots of uh, crypto security uh, infrastructure. So we have seen uh, a few uh, startups in those areas, right? Uh, like a Certic for uh, smart contracts auditing or chain analysis, uh, which provides you uh, information about uh, your transaction counterparties. Know your transaction, so to speak, right? So you need a lot of uh, Web3 cybersecurity tools to protect this new ecosystem, which is very fragile, right? And, and, and then the secondly, um, the Web3 environment needs to solve interoperability issues in order to scale, right? Going back to the example you, you mentioned, Nomad, you know, it, 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 it is a blockchain bridge company, right? So they, so they provide bridge among different blockchain platforms. And why you need this bridge? Because you need, you need uh, interoperable uh, transactions uh, among different chains, right? You, you don't want everything uh, to be locked into one chain, uh, one ecosystem. In order to create a vibrant environment, you need people, you, you need the technology to support transactions to, across, to, to go across different uh, uh, chains, right? And in this case, uh, this blockchain bridge serves that purpose, but actually it, it is very vulnerable to cyber attack, right? So this means yeah. you need much better uh, uh, bridges going forward. And then thirdly, you know, uh, back to the Web2 issue, right? this data issue. Uh, in Web2, we worry about data uh, being captured by big techs like Facebook right? and, and then benefit to the, the tech companies instead of the data owners, right? And now in the, in the metaverse context, whatever the platform is, they can collect even more data of you, right? Because you will be in an immersive 3D environment. Uh, so, so they will take the, the data they can take from you, go far beyond uh, the data they collect in, in, in the Web2 environment right now. Uh, so you, you need a lot more data privacy protection uh, infrastructure to come in, right? So that's why these days people are developing data privacy tools like uh, zero knowledge proof, uh, et cetera, right? So, so in, the, in, in all three areas, you will see a lot of new uh, venture ideas and start, startups to come. I'm, I'm sure you must have come across quite a bit of these startups because, uh, of course, you, run, you also have a VC hat as well that you run. So, so let me know, I mean, layman people like us who are not that connected into the industry and you're based out of New York as well, perfect, please repeat. So, so, so what do you see right now in terms of interesting things that are happening that will completely redefine, especially how payment happens through blockchain in the coming years? Right. I, I would say, you know, the entertainment uh, area, for example, like gaming, you know, is, is a very interesting example of an existing industry that, that is quickly evolving with Web3 applications. Um, you know, uh, gaming is now a very big media, right? So to put it, put it there. So you have globally, you have billions of people who are gamers, yeah. who are gamers and, and they play games together, right? Uh, one big challenge for the gamers is that whatever in-game assets they have, you know, what, what, 
well, whatever awards they earn, you know, from a particular game, uh, they, they cannot take it everywhere, uh, anywhere else except in that game, right? Frankly, uh, if, if the gaming company decides to stop supporting that game one day, actually everything in that game will go to, go, just go disappear, you know? So, so, that, so that's why the, the gaming sector has become the frontier of uh, uh, crypto and uh, NFT and uh, blockchain applications. Uh, you, you may have heard about the term play to earn gaming, right? P2E, yep. right? So, so the idea is the gamers activities in the game can earn tokens. And on top of that, you know, the game will create a, a, a token exchange platform so that guys can exchange the token for cash and move elsewhere, right? Think about the, the gaming industry's development last couple of years. That's quite important because if the gaming industry can enjoy tremendous growth without providing any monetary benefit to the gamers, how much more development it will be, right? If, if guys can play to earn, uh, you know, like earn tokens when they, when they play and more, they can actually trade those in-game assets for value in fiat currency, right? And use elsewhere. So, so this is a very important case study. And at the same time, it is a great case study because it's not as smooth as the uh, crypto communities hoped uh, in some gaming platforms. Gaming companies decided not to allow crypto to be part of the games because they say this will, this, this will negatively impact the user experience you know, for wow. the gamers. Right. So, so it is, so all these things are still at, at, a, at, at the very early stage. Right. On one hand, yeah. you see new business model coming from uh, new business models can be added to existing industry. Right. But at the same time, yeah. what is the best way to integrate them uh, is, is still to be found. Absolutely. Thanks for that. And, and that was really helpful, uh, Winston. So before we close, there are two questions from in, investors. So the first one is, do you find any similarities between 90s internet bubble to current turbulence in crypto markets? Is there any trend you're hooked on? That could be Amazon's story of crypto world. Uh, very interesting. Uh, I, I think very similar, very similar. Because every, every time you have a new technology come out, there's always a lot of hype, right? They, they, then, then lots of capital will go there. You know, that's almost like a capitalism one-on-one. You know, if, if there's promised outsized returns, right, the, the, the capital will follow. Then, you know, the industry will go through consolidation and, and then... Uh, only a few big survivors uh, will stay and then they will become the dominant players as in the case of uh, Amazon after the dot-com bubble uh, uh, bust, right? Now, here, in addition to this tech hype, right, uh, there's also another very important, another very important uh, factor contributing to uh, such crypto boom, which is a, a lack of regulation. Right. Uh, last couple of years, you know, there was little, literally no regulation at all, you know, for the crypto market. You know, whether it's crypto mining or, or crypto trading or, or crypto transactions, right? There, there's no no regulations at all. However, you know, these days we see more regulations coming from all aspects, right? From the crypto mining side, for example, New York State has adopted a, a new law. Uh, to limit the usage of you know traditional energy to mine uh, cryptos, you know, the law hasn't, hasn't has not yet 
uh, become effective, but you know it was passed by the uh, by the lawmakers um, waiting to be effective. Uh, secondly, uh, for crypto trading, right? This this is where the SEC will kick in, uh, and now we see a lot of regulatory actions are uh, are developing. For example, inside trading cases against ex Coinbase employees, and and in connection with such uh, in, inside trading case, which by the way really defines, which implies the the implies that the the tokens in those cases are securities, right, from the SEC yeah. side, and in connection with those cases, actually SEC expressly said a few tokens uh, under those cases are securities, right? So which which means going forward, those trading of those tokens and the exchange that support such trading of the tokens will be subject to SEC regulations, right? And and, and then thirdly, you have the uh, transaction side, right? Uh, the, the the recent bankruptcy cases of uh, of crypto lending companies, right, are are, are creating precedents to define. Uh, the nature of crypto transactions on those crypto platforms. Uh, so lots of regulations are also developing, uh, which will help accelerate this consolidation uh, of uh, of the crypto industry. You know, which had a wild growth last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. So the second question you have already answered with this with the answer for this question. So that is, um, so we we have covered all the investor queries. But for now, from my end, if investors are actively looking to invest in the space, what would you suggest that they should be really looking for? One. And the second thing is, and this is going to be more about your book, what should investors expect to uncover when they read your book? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. We sort of briefly covered that as I alluded to. Correct. Clear that for for Web three we need a lot of new infrastructures, right? Uh, so personally, uh, I would have focused more on the the future Web three infrastructures at this moment uh, instead of uh, trying trying to chase one particular token or or, or one particular NFT, right? Uh, you know there are several several you know very several ways to participate in this uh, Web three market uh, because of the variety and the Diversity uh, of uh, crypto tokens started, you know, la- last couple of years. Right, it, several years ago, it was all about Bitcoin, but now you you have a variety and diversity of uh, tokens. You know, you have DeFi, right? Decentral decentralized finance, uh, which create which leads to the creation of various financial structure product, uh, and you also have NFT, you know, non fungible tokens, which which leads to uh, digital arts, but also have broad implications, broad uh, u- u- use cases in other industries, right? Like entertainment, like uh, sports, like uh, luxury brands, etc. Right? Or uh, and thirdly, you also have the gaming tokens, right? The gaming is a big industry, and the the integration with uh, gaming tokens are, are creating a, a lot of new plays out there. Um, but but overall, you know, you, you see the largest deals are are related to the, the underlying infrastructures, you know. So, so for example, relating to NFT, you have OpenSea, right? OpenSea uh, covers more than ninety percent of the trading volume on NFTs. And uh, last year, there was talk about NFT going IPO, right? Uh, or uh, you think about 
speaking of my sovereign wealth fund background, right? Uh, recently, Singapore Sovereign Wealth Fund, GIC, uh, led a 500 million round investment into chain analysis, you know, the, uh, which, which provides uh, cyber, which provides transactional data uh, for crypto transactions, right? Like, you know, know your transaction. You know, all, all these are good examples of kind of new Web3 infrastructures. And in terms of VC, right, you know, back to our initial focus about payment, right? Relating to just like the mobile internet, right? Uh, mo uh, mobile payment was tremendously important uh, for, for the mobile internet economy to become active. Uh, yeah. in, in this, in, for, for the Web3, you know, how to, how to solve Web3 payment, especially across different tokens. And then next level across tokens, CBDCs and, and the big tech payments. These are tremendous challenges, right? And we will see a lot of uh, VC, uh, VC deals coming out of that area. And again, right, th this, this will be uh, the infrastructure of, of the future Web3 economy. Personally, I, I, that, that, that's, that's, that's what I will focus on. You know, actually for Cloud Tree Ventures, uh, we mostly focus on the, uh, the underlying technologies for the, for the Web3. Instead of looking into one particular gaming title, or, or one particular, you know, NFT uh, for trading. Thanks, uh, thanks, Mr. That was, I would say, mm -hmm. a very apt conclusion to our our whole discussion. Well, that's it for for now from me, uh, Mr. It was really great to host you today. For all the listeners, Vincent has created a community in Quit Room for fellow professional investors interested in blockchain and Web three. Otherwise, he's available through LinkedIn to also get in touch with him. The handle for his community in Quit Room is posted in here so that you can join the conversation. So for today, let's make investments better one step at a time. For now, we say goodbye. Thank you, Pravin. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Ask an Investor podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then give us a subscribe. And if you're keen to chat with today's guest on this topic, access opportunities in the market, or just want to connect with other investors who are equally as interested in the sector, then join the guest community on Quidroom using the link in the description. Please note that Quidroom is only for high net worth investors and investment professionals. No retail investors are allowed. This podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Nothing in this episode should be interpreted as financial advice.